Welcome to the October 15th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 25, and the sermon is entitled, Following His Steps, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. Take your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter number 2. As we continue on in our series and we think about the joy along the journey, and I know that every day is not a joy-filled journey, but it is a day that we can depend on the Word of God. It is a day that we can depend on God Himself as He leads us in our journey. And today, as we think of the title, Following His Steps, and our, each one of us has that call in our life to follow Jesus Christ. He desires that for all of us. And so today, we come before His Holy Word. I have the great privilege... Of growing up in my younger years. I can say that now. I'm over 40. In my younger years, in the 80s and 90s. I had the privilege of growing up as a young boy who loved the Lord and who loved sports. And I believe that I had the opportunity to watch the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. Michael Jordan. He's better than LeBron James. I'm going to go on record in saying that, okay? But there was a commercial that some 30 years later that still rings out in my mind as I think of that. And I set the stage for this sermon today. And that included a song in that commercial, If I Could Be Like Mike. Anybody remember that little song or that Gatorade commercial? If I Could Be Like Mike. That commercial had Michael Jordan playing on outside basketball courts with kids. And those kids were trying to imitate his skills of dribbling and imitate his skills of of, of laying up and even some trying to dunk. And the song that played, If I Could Be Like Mike, I'm not going to sing it to you today, okay? But I could always remember, If I Could Be Like Mike. But throughout that commercial, there were the times where people were sipping on Gatorade and it was a Gatorade commercial to sell their product and at the end the commercial ended with these words on the screen be like Mike drink Gatorade I'll never forget that many of us desire a role model and here's the truth of the matter a lot of Christians role models are people who are of the world and that are in the world and there's not anything necessarily wrong with that But you've got to remember, if I be like Mike, I've got to take everything that Michael Jordan represents. And I'm saying I want to be like him. Not I just want to make a shot or a layup or make a few million dollars. I want to be like Michael Jordan. And I was one of those kids that sang along, if I could be like Mike. Maybe today you are looking for a hero in your life. And so I would... Offer this, go to the scripture and the word of God and find you a godly hero. Paul uses these words in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Be you followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Paul trying to recruit people to be believers in Jesus Christ. The word followers that he uses here is the word that we understand and know as imitate. And so when we think of following somebody as a hero or setting someone aside on that pedestal, we often want to imitate who they are. 
And so today, even Jesus, after washing his disciples' feet, uses these words in John chapter 13. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Friends, I want you to know, contained in this very word of God, you have the greatest hero that we as Christians need to be imitators of. And that is Jesus Christ. And so today I know that is a very lofty standard. But that is the standard and who we need to imitate with our lives. And so I start out the sermon by this. Not asking you if you want to be like Mike. But asking how well are we being like Jesus. Across this congregation today. How well are we imitating our Savior I want you to know as I think of the Word of God and we think about following the steps that are laid before us, today we move in a transitional way, not of the subject, but of the people. Last week we talked about the importance of submitting to the government. And I understand that is a hard topic. And even harder now when you understand that Israel is under attack and our government is getting involved and there's so much in the world and in the political field that is happening. Now today... We are going to look at what it looks like to follow in Jesus' footsteps and submitting as a servant, likely in the workplace. So today, as we open the Word of God, I don't want you to think about a, a bad boss or a good boss or a bad workplace or a good workplace. Here's what I want you to think about. How can I still be like Jesus there? Take your Bibles. 1 Peter chapter number 2, starting at verse number 18 today. Here is God's word. We're just going to read verse number 18 to begin with. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. That is the beginning of our scripture today. As we think of following his steps, point number one today, I want you to see the example of a servant. An example of a servant. Peter addressed these pilgrims charging them to submit to the government leaders in whom they don't belong to. They didn't belong to the the country they were in. They were not home there. They were just traveling through. They were sojourners. And so as they began to establish life in foreign country, Peter calls them to submit to the leadership of that country. But also as servants or slaves, they are to submit there as well. I want you to see real quick how Peter goes from the highest of the authority of the governing body to now the lowest in the, in the body of servant. And I want you to know that today there are a couple different types of servants. This one that we are talking about today is a household servant. It is not a bond servant. A bond servant is someone that would work outside of the home. This is a household servant that would work directly in the master's home. Now, I want to address this now. And that word servant or slavery, it is a word today that we see as something that is negative. And the Bible does not speak for it or against it. It speaks to the time in which slavery was present. The children of God were slaves in foreign land. And these are slaves now today. We are grateful that we have moved beyond slavery. And that we are beyond that. But yet we're called to be submissive as servants in the workplace. The people of this day in research... 
and the Roman Empire, which controlled a large portion of the area in which we're talking about, the Roman Empire, 50% of the people could have been classified as a servant or a slave. It is a topic. It is something that was common in the biblical day. And it is a subject that we need to approach this day. And I want you to know that as we read this verse, it is used to you and I being in the place of work, in our jobs. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand of how, much, how many of you in this room loved your jobs or how many of you in this room hated your jobs or how many of you in this room are just doing your job. Like I tell my children in going to school, you may not like school, but that is your responsibility right now. At this stage. And there are times that you may have not liked a boss or not liked a job. But it is your responsibility as a Christian to be subject to those who rule over you. And sometimes that is not fun. You say, Pastor, when can I rise up or when can I disagree? Here's your answer. When it goes against the word of God. Not when it goes against your own personal beliefs or not when it hurts your feelings. But when it goes against the word of God, Christians still have a responsibility to submit to those who are over them, no matter if they are just or unjust, kind or crooked. And many of you may understand what a horrible boss is. Now, there may be some people in this room that at my previous job worked with me and for me. Hold your comments, please. I know, and being the boss, it's not fun. And I want you to know this, in my current job, some may view me as the boss, but I want you to know I'm not the boss. I've got one that is higher than me, and that is Jesus Christ himself. And yes, I might answer to you, but ultimately I have to answer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is true for every single one of us in this room, in the workplace. You must answer to Christ first. So remember your good times and your good bosses and remember the bad ones as well. And young people in this room, here's what I want you to relate it to. Remember those teachers that are good and those teachers that are bad. Those bad teachers are not necessarily the ones that you didn't like or get along with. They may be the ones that pushed you to be the person that you are today. Real quickly, I had a government teacher in my senior year of high school. Some of you have heard this story. She and I were on different platforms politically. I'll just leave it right there, okay? She had this doll of the president, and I'll let you do the research, who was president back in the late 90s. And she had this doll, and she loved this doll, and she loved this president, and I did not. So every day I went to government class, and I was in the public school system. And every day I went to government class, and I had to listen to what she taught. As I listened, I was respectful. I heard what she had to say, but when she gave the opportunity to raise a hand, Hand, my hand went up. It got to the point where every day in Miss Ferris's class, some of you remember Miss Ferris, I would knock on that door and I would just say, I have arrived. Even though we may have disagreed politically and we may have had our discussions in the classroom setting, I want you to know that teacher pushed me in ways I've never been pushed before. And she would be the one that would write the recommendation for me as a student of the month. 
that would be submitted to the school. No other teacher that said yes or that I loved ever did that, but the one that I disagreed with did. And so I want you to know it's possible. It is possible in the workplace and in young people in the school system to not necessarily like the people that you work with or like the teachers that you have, but they could be the ones that God is using to push you closer to Jesus Christ and to be a better example of him. It may be at work, it may be at school, it may be at church, it may be in your own home. But friends, we are called to show and share the love of Jesus and take up the role to serve others. Look at verse number 18 again. It says this, Servants be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. To the good and also to the bad, we are called to be submissive to them. I want you to know, even in the workplace, you can stand for your Savior. Judas had his feet washed by Jesus. Remember that, okay? Judas had his feet washed by Jesus. You and I can carry that role of being a servant in the places that we need to be. So point number one, I want you to see the example of being a servant. Number two, verses 19 through 21. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Point number two, I want you to see the example of suffering. Peter began the teaching on suffering. And I don't want to bust your bubble and I don't want to run you all for the next few weeks. But the topic of suffering is going to take over our sermons in the days ahead. I'm about a month ahead in sermons. So I want you to know this week I finished up chapter number three. But I also want to say you need to be here next week. Because we're going to talk about the family and the submission wives to your husband. Don't run out on that sermon either, okay? We don't like to submit. The word submission carries it with, with we are below somebody. But actually what you are doing, you are taking on the role and the example of a servant. But you will suffer some for that. Here Peter begins the teaching. Right and wrong punishment that is levied on the Christian servant or the worker. It is preparing the Christians for harder days ahead. I want you to know that anywhere in this Bible, you will not be promised an easy road or an easy day. The only thing easy that you may label is the promise of heaven when you close your eyes in death. That's when it becomes easy because you will worship Jesus for all eternity. But until then, nowhere in this book does it promise an easy road? And I know within this congregation today, families that are sitting here that are going through suffering. And many of you may label that as unfair because you're trying to be faithful. But I want you to know that Peter talks to the turmoil and the punishment that Christians would face because of their faith. But here's what he wanted to promise, that his presence would be with him. That he would be there through it all. If you are a child of God, you are not promised days without suffering. But what you are promised is that the Lord will lead you through those sufferings. Peter says this, 
When you are in the wrong and you take punishment for being in the wrong, there's nothing to be gained there. If I messed up as a child and I got the punishment as a child, I deserve the punishment because of my choices. And it was not the corner or taken away. I got the punishment. I deserved it. But what Peter says, if you are doing things that are outside of God's will and you're punished for that, that's no big thing. But you who are being mistreated or you suffer wrongfully or unjustly for doing the right thing, Peter says you must be commended before God for that. Look at verse number 20. For what glory is it if when you buffeted for your faults, you messed up, you should take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. So suffering and doing good along the way, doing the right thing, the Lord will help you bear it and He will lead you through it. Is oppression still alive today? Absolutely so. In the great country of America, we may not see it as much, but there are many on foreign soil that are oppressed for their faith. It could be physical, it could be verbal, it could be nonverbal, and yet people still suffer. But in verse number 19, Peter says this, it is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endures grief and suffering wrongfully. In my Bible, here's what I did. I suffered the word endure. There's the promise that it's coming. The promise that you will have to endure it. That you will endure wrongful suffering. And you will endure grief because of your stance for an almighty God. How does that translate to the workplace? In a couple of different ways. Maybe you've been looked over for a promotion or a job. Because of your faith. Maybe you think you've done everything right. And the person that does everything wrong gets the job. I'm telling you this because I've thought those thoughts as well. Maybe you suffer by put being made to do the lowliest of jobs. And I tell you this. As you are put in those positions, may you do them well. Because you do them as to the Lord. The greatest example of suffering is Jesus himself. Jesus himself. Look at verse number 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. There you see in verse number 21, I have underlined in my Bible, for us. He suffered for us. The Bible tells us this. Look at me real quick. I know that we're dressed up and we're pretty this morning and you look good. Okay? But the Bible says this about our hearts. They are wicked before God. We are just dressed up, sin-filled people. We are sinners before an almighty God. And the Bible teaches that. And the only thing different about me and the unbeliever is that I have accepted Christ in my heart. So I am a saved, dressed up sinner. But when we think about the greatest example, that Jesus would die for me, a sinner, a sin-filled man. And yet he went to the cross and he laid his life down, 
Verse number 21 says, He suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps. Here is our example, our hero. Not that Michael Jordan, anything should be taken away for his abilities. But the greatest example and the greatest hero is Jesus Christ our Lord. As that sentence continues, the end of verse number 21, you should follow his steps. Do me a favor and underline and circle that. If we want to be imitators, that's where we started the introduction of this sermon. We imitate, we follow his steps. And I remember as my boys were little kids and we used to have deep snows. We don't have those quite often anymore. As we would sleigh ride, we would sleigh ride down and we would have to march back up the hill. And it was my job as the father to go in and stomp down the path so the little kids could follow and make their way back to the top of the hill. It was my job to, to prepare the steps that they could, they could go and enjoy another sleigh ride. Well, friends, it's our job to follow the steps of Jesus. If you claim to be a Christian, you are claiming to be little Christ. That's what that word means. And so today, we have an example. We have an example of suffering to follow. Jesus willingly laid down his life and we should too. Point number three, look at verses 22 through 24. Who did no sin. Now this is going back to Jesus. Now who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. But committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Verse number 24 who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. The third point of today's message is this, is we have an example of sinlessness. As Peter begins to quote Isaiah 53, he goes back and he teaches us the truth about Jesus Christ, the suffering servant. In your homework this afternoon, write down Isaiah 53 and go back and compare that to what you heard uh, just as I just read. And you will see uh, a very similar wording there. But you will also see this, is that Jesus becomes our standard as the act of sinlessness before an almighty God. We have three years of Jesus' life recorded for us. And in those uh, recordings and in his 33 years of life, here's what I want you to know the Bible says, starting in verse number 22. The first thing it says, he did not sin. He did not sin. He did not sin in word. He did not sin in deed. He is the only perfect man to ever walk this earth. That is Jesus. He never Sin. The, other th the second thing it says, there was no deceit in his mouth. His words did not mislead. His words did not misrepresent anything. And that's what it means in verse number 22. Neither was guile found in his mouth. He did not mislead anyone. The third thing it says, he did not retaliate with insults. When Jesus was reviled or insulted... He took those insults not responding to human beings. I don't know about you, but when people insult me, I don't like it very much. 
And probably I respond sometimes the wrong way. And the first thing that I've learned to do when somebody has something against me is you better pray about it before you say the wrong thing. Jesus never said the wrong thing. No deceit was in his mouth. And he didn't retaliate with the words or insults. He didn't hurl threats to those that were falsely accusing. Leaders would order his death. Soldiers would put him on the cross. And Peter tells us this. The endurance and suffering that he went through is the example in which we should follow. His commitment was to God the Father And it was the righteous judge whom he had to answer to. And here is the reality, friends. You and I have to answer to a righteous judge one day for everything that we do. Praise be to God that that the blood of Jesus covers the multitudes of sins. And the ending of what we read in verse number 24, it says this, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. He bore the sins. On the tree, the Old Testament verbiage of a criminal offense. He would be hung in the streets. And that's what Jesus did as he took our sin to the Almighty Cross. Well, ending part of verse number 24 is this. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye are healed. We should be Christians who are dead to sin. Who live dead to sin but whose lives are righteous before a holy God. And who knows, by the stripes of Jesus Christ, we are healed. Today, you have the example of sinlessness. Now today, this is not a call that wicked hearts can be made perfect, but wicked hearts can be made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so today... That is an invitation to that one person that may be sitting here today or watching a live stream that says this, I'm not perfect, Pastor. You're not called to be perfect. You're called to be forgiven through Jesus Christ our Lord. The last point, verse number 25. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. I want you to know today, Isaiah 53, 6. Listen to these words from Isaiah 53. It says this, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of us have gone astray. Peter reminds the readers the reality of the wandering of sheep that have gone astray. But here's what the Bible tells us in the Gospel of John. Chapter number 10, he says this. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I'm known of mine. In verse number 11, he says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. To the sheep today that may be sitting in this room that is astray, here's what I want to remind you, that Jesus left the 99 for the one. Today, you may be sitting in this room, and you may say, Pastor, I'm far from perfect. I'm far from sinlessness. sinlessness. I'm far from the example of a servant. I'm far from where I need to be. Here's what I want you to hear. Jesus loves you and Jesus desires you for himself. He desires a relationship with each one that needs him as savior in this place. Jesus went to Calvary to pay your sin debt and he laid his life down for your sin that he may have relationship with each one of you. Today, 
to the sheep that is astray? Here's what I want to tell you. As chapter number 20, uh, verse number 25 says, You were a sheep going astray, but you are now returned into the shepherd. Come to Jesus. Come to him as the great shepherd of your life. Let him lead you. Let him save you. Let him change your life. And then live your life for him. To the one today, to the Christian, that maybe you, you are here today and you're saying, I am following steps that may not be of God. If you are backslidden in any way, if you are off course, it is not a, it is not a, a time of no hope. It is a time of great hope. And here's the call. Come home. Come home to Jesus. Come home to the great shepherd. I pray that you remember verse number 21, that, that Christ suffered for you. And he is that example that we should follow in his steps. Today, if you are not following in the steps of Jesus, don't you walk out of the door the same way that you came in. In a moment of dedication, won't you say, Dear Lord, help me to follow you step by step. I already know you. My life belongs to you, of course. But God, I trust you. Please lead me in the days ahead. Make that your prayer in this time of invitation. Maybe today, Christian, you are in this room, brother or sister, and maybe your attitude is wrong. Maybe your attitude about suffering or serving somebody is wrong. I want you to know this. I hope that this may be one of my greatest qualities is that I will do whatever it takes. Whatever. If it's wash your feet, I will wash your feet because Jesus did it. And if, it, if it's to lead you in truth, I will lead you in the truth. But I want to be a servant just like Jesus. And I pray that when people look at Clifford Baptist Church, they don't look at a, at a church full of hypocrites. They see people that love the Lord and desire an attitude just like Jesus had to serve others as they can. Maybe today, your actions, your actions are not matching up, Christian. Maybe you're agonizing in your situation and maybe there is unforgiveness or unrepentant hearts in that situation. Maybe today, you didn't know this sermon was coming. Maybe you need to be a servant in the, in the work in the body of the church. Maybe God is calling you to, to serve in your workplace a little bit better. Be a greater witness for Him. It took me 15 years in the public workplace to lead people to trust me to lead a Bible study. To garner the, the trust of the people there. And one by one... At 3 o'clock on Wednesday mornings before I left B&W, Bible studies were being held. People gave up of their lunchtime to come hear about Jesus. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm giving all credit to, and glory to God. Because when we submit to Him, even in our workplaces, even in times where He's calling us to, it's amazing how He can and will use you. Today, you have the greatest hero and the, the greatest example, and that is Jesus. May we leave today desiring to be more like Him than we've ever been in our life. That is the true example. Jesus is the way. Let us pray.
Father God, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word even when it becomes hard and difficult. When we talk about submitting to government. When we talk about submitting in our workplaces and as servants. And even in the church. Lord, when we talk about wives being servants or submission to their husbands next week. God, these are difficult topics. Yet your heart and your desire was to be the servant of all. And for everyone to come to you. God, your word tells us that you desire no one, no one to be apart from you. God, I pray, Lord, today on the authority of your word for that one that is lost. Lord, that they will feel your spirit move now, drawing them. God, I pray, Lord, that you move in the aisles and in the hearts of this place. Lord, to reconcile people back to you. Lord, to draw the lost and the unsaved to you. Lord, to draw the Christian who has drifted away, who has backslidden. Or maybe to draw the one Christian that thinks they have it all right. God, that you will bring us back to you. Looking at the greatest example that is set before us, Christ our Lord. Lord, today we submit this time of invitation to you. I pray, Lord, that you will raise up Christians to be more like you. In our workplaces, in our homes, and in our church. God, may we desire, as you did, to serve those who are less fortunate and give us that heart, the gospel message to share when we can. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you lead us now as we submit to you in all areas of our life. We give it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.